You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Right to left to restart the game. And this one carrying into the end zone about four yards deep. Here comes Dixon to the five. Left hash marks 10, 50. Hits a hole hard. He's to the 25, 30. Breaks into the clear. Keyshawn Nixon is off to the races. It's Secretary of the Belmont. Down the split in time. No one will catch him. It's a touchdown. My goodness. Came into the game. Wayne punched the ball with a groin injury. Didn't practice all week. But he just took it right off the gut. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome to Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. Also, if you'd like to text the show, you can send a message to 865-658-5824. Again, the text line for the uh, Packers Total Access uh, uh, show here is 865-658-5824. Loving the communication there. Man, I'm just going to go ahead and warn you, this is going to be chaos today. Organized, somewhat organized chaos. Um, The wife is out of town handling some catering business uh, for uh, one of our businesses uh, down in the great city of Chattanooga, Tennessee. So I'm left here with the the pup, the spooled dog that is known as Nitschke, right? His name on the papers is Raymond Nitschke. (laughs) And I'm telling you right now, man, he weighs about 15 pounds and he thinks he weighs 80. And, uh, yeah, so usually the wife has got him downstairs with her, and he's not an issue. You're going to hear him bark. I just about guarantee it. Poor uh, UPS or FedEx driver just a second ago got completely accosted. Um, I'm sure he thought he was going to lose a leg, but that's neither here nor there. Just want to give you guys a fair warning. I apologize. Not going to be very professional when he lets loose, but it's probably going to happen. So with that being said, today's show, guys, I don't want this to continue to carry on. You guys know I mentioned on the last podcast, I want to get beyond the Aaron Rodgers stuff. So we're just going to kind of hit on it one last time here. And the next time we talk about it, hopefully the last time we talk about it will be uh, the compensation aspect, right? And we're going to kind of talk about that a little bit today and kind of set the stage for what do we think the compensation is going to be, right, For with the trade for Aaron Rodgers. I think you still can't completely rule out him retiring because – there is going to be a little bit of a standoff here. You know, some people are predicting that this will get handled this week within the next 10 days. I've heard people say, no way this is going to carry till June the 2nd. I've heard other people say, I wouldn't be surprised if this is going on in September. And some people are taking the stance that Aaron could call their bluff and show up to camp. I've heard people say that. That sounds very far-fetched, right? You had Ross Tucker on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, former player, very player. Uh, he always leans towards the player's side, right? Uh, because he was a member of the union, he was a journeyman offensive line, one of my favorite podcasts. I love getting multiple angles on every single talking point. Because when you get multiple angles, that's where you really learn. That's where you grow as a person, as a sports fan, as a Green Bay Packer fan more specifically, is because you're getting the player's side. You're getting the agent's side. You're getting the insider's side. You're getting a former player in Pat McAfee's side who's now, uh, you know, if you want to call it somewhat in the media, right? Uh, You're getting A.J. Hawk's side who's a former player who's the farthest thing from a media member, but still he brings a different 
angle to it. You know, you're getting Aaron Rodgers' side of the story. The one thing we haven't gotten is Brian Gudikins' side of the story and the Packers' side of the story, which we we have to mention that. We have to take that into consideration um, that Aaron could be lying, and there's a lot of people that saying he is lying, right? Um, I don't – in my opinion, if you're saying he's lying without knowing if he's lying – then you by default are lying. <laughs> so I don't like to take that approach. I like to take people's uh, people for, you know, at face value. You know, I, I'm going to treat the words that you speak to me as if it's 100% true until you give me a reason to not believe that. And, you know, Aaron has said it in the past that there's there's three, uh, three sides of the truth, right? Or three sides of every story, I should say. I already botched it. No, I did. Oh, well. <laughs> he said my side your side, and the truth, right? And I, I I would just about guarantee that's how this applies. And you guys know from the beginning I've been screaming, thank God this isn't going to end the way it did with Brett Favre, right? And it, first of all, it's not ending as cleanly as I wanted it to. <laughs> However, it's nowhere near that level that it was with Favre. Um, you know, Aaron – took a few shots on the McAfee show, and we're going to play a sound bite here in a second and just kind of give his side of the story again, take into consideration it's only his side of the story, right? Um, but at the same time, it was thankfulness and appreciation for the organization and this and that. There, there are some things that the organization did wrong that really ticks me off because it's like you were this close, guys, this close to doing this with 100% success. Tell the guy you want to trade him and trade him. Get compensation, right? Well, that'd take leverage out of their hands. No, it wouldn't. Either a team wants that player or they don't. Now, if they do, okay, they want to get him for as little as, as you know, a little amount as possible. If you had came out a, after the season when Brian Gudikins was saying after the season, we want him back, he said, we want, we want him back. That, that's not my – assumption that they want him. He said it came out of his mouth after the season. They want Aaron Rodgers back, right? And then turned around, and they really wanted to shop him. And and Aaron even alludes to it in the video. I don't know if we'll get to that exact soundbite, but kind of alludes to the fact that, like, you know, what, you know, something changed. When he went on the darkness retreat, when he came out, something had changed because of messages. You got to let him kind of talk about that. And, uh, again, we just want to bundle all this up because – these are, you know, at the time that the Brett Favre debacle happened, we, you know, we didn't have all of this access. You know, if Brett was going on a show and being interviewed every single day, then you would have a pretty good timeline of, okay, you would realize real quick Brett was full of crap. All right, that's that's the end, you know, the end result that I came up with, with the whole Brett Favre, Green Bay Packers thing. I, I, I 110% sided with the organization, you know. And Ted Thompson was put in a horrible spot, in my opinion. And it was all because of Brett. I'm not telling you to hate him because of that. I'm not telling you to hate him for the off-the-field stuff that seemed to have emerged. That's not what I want this podcast to be about. But what I want it to be about is I want people to come away from this pod going, man, I didn't know that side. Man, I didn't know that fact, right? And that's why I tried to steer so many people towards that documentary last day at Lambeau. I cannot tell you how many people reached out to me and was like, how in the world have I never seen this? I'll tell you what I thought first time I watched it was, how in the world have I not seen this, <laughs> right? Because it's so it's it's just so well done. But in this case, though, this scenario, we've got Twitter, right? 
You got the McAfee show, which it amazes me how many people hate the McAfee show, but they still watch it. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to lose my ever-loving mind if the same people that complained about him going on the McAfee show every Tuesday, when he's on the Jets roster, if you still complain about him being on the McAfee show, I'm going to call you on it because it's just silly. <laughs> like, if you don't like it, don't watch it. Now he's going to be on another team. Why, why in the world would you watch it now, right? So um, with all that being said, let's get into it. So Aaron Rodgers went on the McAfee show. He told his side of the story. Hopefully the sound quality doesn't go too crazy here, but I'm going to play a quick video. And this was kind of him giving his side of the story and how things unfolded. And I thought it was really, really fascinating. I'll kind of recap it as we wrap up. And I got some other things I want to hit on because um, there's a lot of truth that's been unveiled behind the scenes. And what I'm looking for, guys, are breadcrumbs. And what I mean by breadcrumbs is if you follow, you know, like in politics, I know it's, uh, we're, some of you going, no, don't do it. Okay, I, trust me, I'm not going to. But in politics, no matter which side of the aisle you favor, right, you may favor the right, you may favor the left, you may think they're all morons, I'm that guy. I think that's where I sit on the whole political thing. Um, but if you follow the money in politics, it really shows you, you know, people's intentions. If you follow breadcrumbs in sports media and when a sports story like this, it's so I mean, people who say, oh, this I'm tired of hearing about it. You you may be tired of hearing about it, but they had five hundred thousand viewers live watching the Aaron Rodgers interview. Guys, that does not happen on YouTube or Twitch or anything else. To the best of my knowledge, it sounds like it's very, very, very rare, right? But if you follow the breadcrumbs, what you what you do find out is, okay, this reporter had it right that he goes up in my book. And I'm talking about Bob McGinn, and we'll get to it here in a second. Like, guys, I trashed Bob McGinn. Like, this dude, he, all he, he doesn't know anything. It, you know, and people made little snide comments. Yeah, I'm familiar with Bob McGinn. Well, you know, I think it was Tom Pelissero that made that little comment. I'm like, see, he knows he's full of crap. Bob McGinn, guys, Bob McGinn had it 100% accurate. Why did he have it accurate? He said someone within the organization told him who was that person in, in the organization. I'm going to unveil who that person is. And what, what essentially following the breadcrumbs, what you now have is you have the mouthpiece for Brian Gutekunst. Brian Gutekunst stayed quiet through this whole process, right? But how did he get the word out through this one guy who's the mouthpiece? And, you know, listening to another pod that he was on, that same guy, that same gentleman, um, lo and behold, they were referring to him as kind of like, hey, look, you know, this is – this is when 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 the organization wants something out, this is the guy they go to, okay? So, anyway, let's get to Aaron. Here's what he had to say, okay? I'm just going to play it here, and then we'll recap. It's about two minutes and 58 seconds long. This is from the Pat McAfee Show. You can watch it for free on YouTube. Um, yeah, it's all over the place, so here it is. Um, you know, I was interested in where they would be at uh, mentally. Everything that I was told in the week that I was in Green Bay was take as long as you want and – you know, we want you to retire, Packer. Uh, you know, you want to come back and play. Obviously, the door is wide open. Um, so that was the information that I was going that was, that I was going on. Now, when I came out of the darkness, something changed. I'm not exactly sure what that was, but something changed. And I got back to my phone after five days off of it. You know, because your phone's on the entire time. There's no Wi-Fi on that uh, you know hippie mountain. Um, and when I got back to that little a shack they have where there's a you know one bar of Wi-Fi. I got back to the, you know hundreds of text messages and emails and all different things. Um, I realized that there'd been a little bit of a shift. 
Um, and that, that uh, I heard from multiple uh, people that I trust uh, around the league, players mostly, um, that that there was some shopping going on, that, that, uh, that they were interested in actually moving me. And at this point, you know, I, I got to admit, I went in the darkness, 90% retiring, 10% playing. That's where my, my mind was. My mind was, I'm, I'm tired of this. I hadn't got back into my workouts yet. And I thought that that was what was best for me. So I went in the darkness to contemplate a lot of different things. But one day I spent entirely on the, the reality I was retired. And one day I spent entirely on the reality that I was coming back and playing. And just really sat with that for hours and hours, uh, what that looked like, what the reality is, how that all felt. And uh, when I came out, I was really interested in what the, what the kind of landscape was, uh, where, where Green Bay was at. And obviously, uh, if uh, I wanted to play, you know, what were the options? Um, so it was clear to me at that point that although the Packers were going to say the right thing uh, publicly, that they were ready to move on. And I, again, I don't know what changed that or what moved that. If they just said, hey, you know, we need to make a decision here because he hasn't made a decision yet. Um, again, there's no victims here. I'm not sitting here as a victim. You know, I love Green Bay. I love the fan base. They're incredible. I, I live for playing, uh, playing for them and, and, and for Lambeau. A lot of love for the organization. Um, I just think I wish that in the beginning of the offseason, that had been the conversation. Because I love direct communication. If they had just said, listen, uh, we, we think it's time to move in a different direction. And we love you. And you're, all, you're going to be a Packer Hall of Famer. You're going to go in the hall as a Packer. We're going to, you know, retire your number, whatever it might be. You know, but it's time to move on. I would have said, man, thank you so much just for telling me that. Like, I really, really appreciate that. That means the world to me that you would, that you would, uh, you would tell me that. Um, because I really believe that's the sentiment. And that's fine. It really is. It's totally fine. This is, this is a, an incredible profession, but it's a tough business. All right. So that is what Aaron said, kind of his side of the story, right? And, and how he's seen things unfold. So let's kind of recap real quick. And again, the whole point of this podcast is so we could listen back on it and know in detail this was Aaron's side of the story. I Now, if you're going, well, what, it's Scooty's side of the story. I hope we hear it. I really do. But seeing that one person is kind of speaking for Goody in the media, I guess that's his side of the story. If he's not willing to tell his side of the story, then I can't talk about his side of the story, right? So – um, we'll kind of have this archive to where we can go back and go, okay, here is actually how everything unveils. So, you know, what did he say right off the bat? He said during when he was in Green Bay, what he was referring to is his exit interviews. Every player at the end of every season, you most of you guys know this. If you don't and one person learns something new, awesome, okay? They have exit interviews where they have every player comes in and meets with the coaching staff. They give a, a list of things they want them to do better. Or, hey, here, we're planning on having you back. We're planning on cutting you, whatever it is. Now, it may not be that in-depth and that blunt because they want to keep those moves close to their vests, right? But an exit interview takes place. He spent a significant amount of time during that exit interview, okay? And uh, so during the exit interview, he said they told him, we want you back. We, you know, take your time, he said, take your time. And if you want to play, great. If not, you want to retire, retire a Packer, awesome. Just take your time, make your decision. That's what they said to him, okay? So that's that's very, very important in my eyes. Like, you told a guy who's been with your organization for 18 years that, look, we want you back. Now, that lines up with what Goody's words were at the end of the year. Now, you guys notice 
it was the combine, to the best of my knowledge, was the first time that Goody said, yeah, we got to have those conversations. When I heard that, I went, whoa, something different there, <laughs> right? And then, of course, the Bob McGinn article comes out, and it starts talking about, you know, um, they're ready to move on. We'll touch on it in a minute. So at the exit interview, Brian Gutekunst tells, uh, you know, I'm assuming it was Brian Gutekunst. It could have been Mark Murphy on the meeting. It could have just been Goody. It might have been LaFleur, whoever, which isn't it funny? LaFleur hasn't said a word. And I'm sorry, guys, that 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 bugs me a little bit because you can say what you want about Mike McCarthy. Well, when they made the transition from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers, McCarthy was a leader first. And that's exactly what uh, the reporters were talking about in Last Day at Lambeau. He, he said, I am not going to lift this, uh, this hypothetical for the team here or, you know, for one player and, and the direction this team's going. You get on the train or the train's leaving the station and Brett couldn't commit to, hey, I, yeah, I want to play for you because, of course, we find out later Brett wanted to play for the Vikings. That was the plan all along. Um, but Mike McCarthy was blunted. And the fact that LaFleur is nowhere to be found, he didn't go to the combine, which you could say, well, there's, there's some coaching staffs that aren't doing that right now. Okay, I give him credit for that. Got it. But when Aaron was was kind of thanking the fans, and we'll get to that here in a second, he didn't mention Brian Gudikins. He didn't mention Mark Murphy, and he darn sure didn't mention Matt LaFleur. That really strikes me as odd. So maybe LaFleur got tired of Rodgers. Could have been. But I just wish he'd have the – about said a bad word, the way most <laughs> to go out there and say, yeah, look, man, we're moving on. And I wish Goody had done it too, right? Don't lie to the guy. And some of you are going, oh, who cares if you lie? Honesty is a big thing to me, guys. And you you can call me old-fashioned. You can – all this Southern hick and his accent, he, he's all about a – dude, I'm all about a handshake. You look me in the eye and you give me your word, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it to the bank, and I'm going to do the same thing to you. That's why my wife gets so frustrated at times because it's very, very black and white to me. You know, you either you either mean this or you don't. There's no gray area whatsoever. Um, I don't care who you are, what your background is. Um, I don't I don't care, you know, how much money your family has or does not have. I don't care what your race is, what your gender is. None of that. All that matters to me is, are you willing to be honest with me? If you're willing to be honest with me. Then I can, hey, we can, we can be friends, right? We might not spend a whole lot of time together because I'm somewhat of an introvert, a lot of an introvert, I should say. But that honesty thing means a lot to me. If it don't mean nothing to you, and hey, this is just cutthroat business, I get it, man. That's cool. That's not how I do business. I learned a long time ago that if you do business that way, yeah, you're gonna, you, you're probably not gonna end up where you want to be. And nine times out of 10, if someone looks up halfway through their life, whether they're 30, 40, 50 years old, and they're not where they want to be, and they, they look around and go, man, my life sucks. I hate this. It's probably because you stepped on a lot of people along the way, and there was some dishonesty and and other things involved, you know, trying to screw people over. You know, I, you got to live by the motto, in my opinion, if you want to be successful with anything, is if you help another people enough people get what they want, you by default will get what you want. It's just sown into the earth. What goes around comes around, right? Um, so anyway, now he, he said he comes out of the retreat, okay? And several people told him, immediately he checks his phone, and he had several, and this is what he said, players from around the league told him they were shopping him. So think about this. The season ends. 
you spend a week, week and a half in Green Bay doing exit interviews with Green Bay, with, with the organization. They say, we want you to come back, take your time. You need to come back or retire. Okay. Got it. Cool. He goes into the darkness retreat. He comes out and he's got people that he said he trusts players from across the league said that they were shopping him. You know, the first person that came to mind for me, that first person that came to mind for me was Devonte Adams. One person, one of many, right? Um, now, if they were shopping him to the Raiders and he comes out of the retreat and Devonte doesn't have a clue what conversations Aaron's been having with, with, you know, been having or not having with the organization and Devonte, it might've been something like, Hey man, I heard, I, you know, I heard they were chatting this, this week, right? Are you, are you interested in coming to Vegas? Cause you guys remember that whole, the whole golf tournament thing. Everybody was screaming, come to Vegas. We, how soon we forget that Vegas was kind of one of the front runners. Right. And all of a sudden they fall out and we know why Josh McDaniels wanted Jimmy Garoppolo, but it doesn't mean they didn't have a conversation. So if, if 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 indeed it was Devontae, and I'm not saying it was, I don't have any inside sources. Trust me, I'm not trying to be uh, the uh, the quote unquote insider that so many people are trying to be right now. And it's hilarious seeing what some people are posting. Like, well, my source tells me I've got a close friend. Get it? Come on, dude. Like, anyway. So if it was Tay, right, and that gets back to Aaron, what would you do? How would you feel about that? Honestly, they they that means that they lied right to his face, right? So it is what it is. Listen, guys, I'm a Packers fan. When Aaron gets traded to the Jets, we'll see you. We'll see you later, Aaron. See you when you get back to the Packers Hall of Fame. And anytime that the Packers lace it up against you, I hope they put you on your rear end. Any other game, I go ahead, man, succeed because everything that he gave to the Packers organization for 18 years. Enduring death threats and on and on and on. Like, anyway, so that's what he said happened. So now he comes out and he said he was in, and he paused. He says, going into the retreat, I was like 90% I was going to retire and 10% I was going to play. Right. So in the public eye, Goody said they wanted him back, but behind closed doors, they were shopping him. That's exactly the terminology that he used. Like, and he even said, if you're, you know, if if you're going to, if if you want to trade me, it's cool. And he even lit up. He's like, fine, that's 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 it's a cutthroat. I get it. It's a tough, tough business. But just tell me that, right? That's the part that confuses me because if this is true, why lie to him? He spent 18 years in that organization, and he is open to a trade. Guys, remember a few years ago, he wanted to be traded. And they were like, no, no, we don't want to trade him. We don't want to trade him. They begged him to come back. LaFleur begged him to come back, which is why I think LaFleur is a little quiet right now. Goody begged him to come back. Evidently, Mark, Mark Murphy begged him to come back because he said at the shareholders meeting and said he's done so much for our organization. Um, you know, we want him to be a Packer. To me, what it sounds like is it's this is the similarity with the Brett Favre situation is, you know, what Brett had, was quoted as saying, and I think he was on Greta Van Susteren when he said it. He said something along the lines of, okay, so you don't you don't want me to play for you, but I can't play for anyone else. That's when Mark, Mark Murphy went down and offered the big lump sum to just stay retired. This feels like the same thing. It's almost as if they were saying, God, we hope he retires, right? 
which doesn't make any sense because why would you not want to get compensation? If you trade him to the Jets or the Raiders or whoever, like you're not going to be playing him within the division. You're not going to be playing him even within the conference. Why would you not try to get maximum compensation? Like from a business standpoint, if you remove all emotions, right? And I, I'm telling you, the emotions mean a lot to me. You know, the the whole honesty thing. Hopefully you've caught on to that by now. But if if the goal is to put your organization in a better place after every single transaction, why in the world would you not want to maximize compensation in return? That just makes no sense to me at all. So, you know, and he even said, I'm not a victim. I'm not a victim. He said it over and over and over. Listen, I'm not a victim. He laughed. I'm not a victim here. I'm not. Like, he's not taking that role. But 18 years, and some of you are going, oh, I don't care. It's just a business. Okay, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, Hosscat, since you're all stoic, right? And you got, oh, don't bring your feelings in here if you don't want them hurt type attitude. If you work for a company for 18 years and you're trying to decide, man, do I want to hang it up or work another year? And you go to them and they say, hey, we want you back. You hear me? Like, let's, we want you back. But if you want to retire, we get it. Right. And then you come back and you find out that they went behind your back and were trying to sell your rights to someone else. Like that's that wouldn't bother you if that happened to a family member. That wouldn't bother you. And it sucks because Aaron, everything that Aaron was saying two or three years ago was the organization isn't treating people right. It's the way you send people off. And he goes on the McAfee show. I wish I'd had that clip too, but there was just too much cussing in between with everybody bantering back and forth. But he said, this guy right over here to my to my right, talking about A.J. Hawk, the way they sent him off, the way they sent Jordy Nelson off. He said, Brett Good. And he, he, he listed off like four or five, six people, right, all the way down the line. He said, it's, it's not a way to treat people. Now, Two years ago, when he was saying this, people thought he was talking about him. He was not talking about him. The Last Dance didn't have anything to do with Aaron Rodgers leaving Green Bay. The Last Dance Instagram post was Devontae Adams saying, this is my last dance. Why? Because they weren't willing to commit to Devontae Adams. Here he had he had done so much for the organization, and then you get to the point where it's okay, it's time for him to be compensated, and the Packers weren't willing to do it and compensate him for being arguably the best wide receiver in the league, he wanted out. He was done with it. Guys, he's proven me wrong. Aaron Rodgers has proven me wrong because I defended the organization at the time. Like, you, sometimes you got to admit you're wrong, and I was wrong in that situation. Everything that he said was going on at the organization has come to fruition now, right? And – and again, if 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 your stance is, hey, look, business is business, I get that, I can respect that. Again, I'm a Packer fan. I'm going to be rooting for the Packers. But he was writing all this, unless Goody comes out and says, no, this is not how this happened with Aaron Rodgers. The problem is the mouthpiece for Goody, which we're going to mention here in a second, he basically said the same thing. They were done with him, right? So that's my thing. Why lie to him? And it sucks for me to be wrong, but he's proven me wrong. That's that's why Devontae Adams wanted out. And then what did they do at the last second? They offered Devontae Adams a huge contract, right? And Devontae Adams basically said, no, I want to go to Vegas. Now, they even gave him more money. And Devontae wanted out so bad. And what did the media do? The media spun it as if this. What, 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 did, the, what did the media do in some of the mouthpieces for the organization? They went out and said, well, I thought people wanted to play with Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, you don't want to play with Aaron Rodgers. 
okay. But then as soon as it looks like Aaron's going to leave Green Bay, who wants him in Vegas? Devontae Adams. All the tweets and everything going out, trolling a little bit. Hey, man, come here. Let's go house shopping. Things like that, right? But I thought I thought Aaron Rodgers was the reason Devontae Adams was leaving because he was so tired of all this drama around Aaron Rodgers. Wasn't the case at all. Still close friends. They were golfing together in the offseason, right? So sucks. I got to take an L. But it's it's hard to defend the organization in this situation. And it may prove be it may prove to be the best move in the history of the Green Bay Packers. And I hope that's the case. But you've you've really got to look at all factors here and go, man, that's that's kind of, that's kind of a bad look in my opinion. So let's move on to this. Another thing I got to take an L on. You guys know when Bob McGinn around the combine, right? The the week of the combine, what did Bob McGinn do? He came out and reported that the organization was done with Aaron Rodgers, right? They were fed up with him. They were disgusted, disgusted with him, all those things. Guys, I went on, went in on Bob McGinn and was like, come on, dude, really? Like Goody just got through saying, this is this was my defense. Goody just got through saying that they wanted him back. And he's going to retire a Packer if he didn't come back. And now you're telling me that all of a sudden they're disgusted with him? The one thing I didn't compute was Goody was lying. Or Murphy sent word. It could have been him, I guess, but kind of feels like Goody. They they were being untruthful, right? They were being dishonest. And that's exactly what Aaron was talking about. And I basically bashed Bob McGinn and said, I don't believe this for a second. Uh, everybody's words aren't lining up with it, right? I was wrong. So I got to take an L there. Here's what he said. I pulled up a tweet here, and this came from uh, – I, I don't even know who this person is. I always like to mention the person because if I if I pluck the tweet off of their timeline, off of you know their Twitter page, then I feel like they deserve you know uh, credit for it. But it's at R-A-S-H-E-L-L-Y. I guess it's Rochelle123. It says, attention Green Bay Packer fans. Bob McGinn, who has covered the Packers for decades, said in a podcast with Tyler Dunn of GoLongTD.com that the team is ready to move on from Rodgers. And here was the image attached from an article. Okay, It says, Bob McGinn, who has covered the Packers for decades, said in a podcast with Tyler Dunn of GoLongTD.com that the team's ready to move on from Rodgers. Quote, they are done with Rodgers, McGinn said, citing his own instincts, his knowledge of the league, and, quote, discussions with someone who has firsthand knowledge of the Packers. He's not coming back. I mean, they're disgusted, disgusted with him, and they're done with him, and they're moving on. I read that, and I went, your gut, in, your own instincts, you ain't got a source. He had a source because everything that he said was exactly what Aaron found out when he came out of the darkness retreat around about the same time. He comes out. He's got multiple players saying, hey, man, they're trying to trade you. And he was like, that's interesting. Because I go going into the darkness retreat, they said they wanted me back or I could retire. And he was leaning towards retiring, right? So that's very interesting. Very interesting. Um, who told him, guys? Who was the person that told Bob McGinn from within the organization? Some of you are going, it had to be Brian Gudikins. I disagree. There's a guy by the name of Tom Silverstein. Some people say Silverstein. Some people say Silverstein. I'm not going to get in an argument or debate how to pronounce his name. Been around for decades. 
right? With the, I think the Milwaukee, I think he's either with the Milwaukee Journal Constitution, or I know he, he has covered the Packers from the city of Milwaukee for a significant amount of time. There's a podcast and you guys can go listen to it. You can listen to the most recent episode and, and you'll kind of get the feel that I did that Tom Silverstein is kind of the mouthpiece for Brian Gutekunst. What do I mean by that? Um, first of all, the, it's called Packers Podcast, and the host is Cassidy Hill. She does a phenomenal job. She's got kind of a southern accent that when she talks, I'm like, this feels like one of my sisters or my mom talking, you know, and I, I'm not trying to say she sounds older. I'm just saying she's got that she's kind of got that country country slang to her that everything she says, I, I understand 100 percent. And someone who speaks proper English, I'm like, I don't know if I'm catching on to that. But Tom Silverstein on that podcast, she she said over and over, like there was multiple times on that podcast that she kind of talked about, well, you're as plugged in with, with the Packers organization as anyone. And to me, it, it seems like Tom is Goody's Ian Rappaport. What do I mean by that? Ian Rappaport, he covers – he works for the league, right? So – Everything that he puts out, it's nine times out of ten, it's coming from a representative from the team. You can say, well, why don't, why don't he use Ian? He does use Ian to a certain extent, but Ian's playing both sides of the fence because he's also got the agents as contacts so he can help report the numbers early. So it doesn't come from the team. There's certain things the team don't want getting out there. They don't want it to be reported this way. The agents do. So Ian's got two different avenues there. Tom Silverstein, Silverstein, I'm going to say Silverstein, okay, He's the guy, in my opinion, that's right there. And he, if Goody wants to get a message out, he'll tell it to Tom, and Tom will go put it out. And he'll put it out as reporting, right? So what did Bob McGinn say again? They are done with Rodgers, McGinn said, signing his own instincts, his knowledge of the league, and, quote, discussions with someone who has firsthand knowledge. Meaning, Goody told Tom, and Tom passed it on to Bob McGinn. Why do I say that? Because they do a lot of work together. There's a strong connection there between Bob McGinn and Tom Silverstein. Okay, so if Tom is uh, Goody Z and Rappaport, right? And then, you know, Aaron went on to the McAfee show to basically prove he wasn't holding anything up. The teams are at a standstill, okay? Why do I mention that? Because what did we hear up until Aaron breaking his, his silence? That they're still awaiting a decision. Guys, I kept hearing that over. I started to get angry. Like, okay, now we're getting into that. We're almost to that deadline where it's like, yeah, Aaron's holding them hostage. And then Aaron comes out and says, no, I let them know last Friday. He let the team know last Friday that he wanted to play and play for the Jets because obviously the Packers didn't want him back. They made the decision, right? Just like Aaron just said in the video. Um, so – if, if that's the case, this is another thing. Think about them being dishonest to him coming out of the retreat, right? And you can say it's good business. That's cool. I just, like I said, honesty is a big thing to me. If they lied to him coming out of that, and then now they're letting him take the rap for holding up the deal, that's why Aaron wanted to go on the McAfee show. And he even told him, he said, this isn't about announcing a decision, okay? The decision's already been made. I'm not making a decision today. I already made it last Friday. Everybody's like, what? You made a decision? Yeah, I'm not the one holding it up. Hit pause. Remember Trey Wingo and what he reported? Trey Wingo reported that the decision's already been made. Aaron isn't holding things up. They're at a standstill with the deal. And everybody went, whoop, whoa, what happened? Why is there a hold up with the deal? Why in the heck did Brian Gutekunst 
and Mark Murphy, when they were when Mark Murphy was asked the question, what do you say? I can't comment on it. I can't comment on it. Right. So when he said he couldn't comment on it, there's Nitschke. He's gonna make his appearance right now. Hey, dude, hush. <laughs> he looked at me like you're not my mom. Shut up. <laughs> so when he when he answered the question that way and didn't give any information, guys, they could have cleared the air there and said, Yeah, we're in trade negotiations. We're, we're, we're negotiating a trade right now. Why wouldn't they do that? What's the downfall? That doesn't hurt their leverage at all. But they're sitting there letting it letting it fall on Aaron Rodgers as if he's the one holding it up and he hasn't made a decision yet. Guys, that's wrong. Everything that Aaron complained about the organization two years ago, here's another example right here. Devontae Adams, er, everything that happened there. And, and immediately, what did what did the local media do? They pounce on Aaron Rodgers wants to be the damn GM. <laughs> Who's he think he is? It wasn't about signing the, all the players that Aaron wanted. Yes, he wanted say in it, but it was about treating people right on the way out. And like Aaron said, I'm now that person. And it's okay. That's what he said. It's okay. There's no hard feelings. I'm not a victim here. I wish he'd been honest with me. I would have respected that more. Like, hey, thank you so much for being up front with me. I just don't understand that guy. So I, I can't get on board with Goody handled this the right way. I just can't. Now, if you're going to sit here and say, well, Clayton, Aaron's not a high and mighty. He's not an honest person. He's, he's not a good person either. He's trying to make himself out there. It's very true, very true. I'm not saying Aaron Rodgers is perfect. And, and also, this is one side of the story, one side of the story. Goody's side of the story may come out, and, I, and, and I'll get right on a podcast say i got to take an L again because Goody's side seems more like the truth than Aaron's. The problem is Goody isn't talking about it. And I'm sorry, I'm not buying the whole it'll hurt trade negotiations if he talks about it. That's BS. Either the team wants Aaron or they don't. They're going to try to get him for the least amount as possible, right? You saying, hey, look, yeah, we were looking to shop Aaron. That does not hurt those. If anything, you do that as soon as you make that decision. And now before these free agents come off the freaking market, more people are going to be involved in the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes which to me tells me they tried to time everything in a manner to where there would be less of a market for Aaron, so he would just retire and go away. Go back to 2008. That's exactly how they handled the Brett Favre situation. They just wanted him to retire. And again, I sided with the organization after everything came out. Brett was in the wrong there. I don't think the organization was in the wrong. I don't. But they used the same exact tactic. They just wanted Aaron to retire. And it makes no sense to me. Other than the fact that the worst case scenario financially for the Packers is to trade him, right? You gave him that huge contract, which if this was the plan, was a major, major mistake. You were this close to him retiring and freeing up $15 million in cap space. But why did it not happen? Because you were dishonest. It's and, and you they in my opinion they did not want to trade them. So now they're to the point where you go from freeing up 15 million in cap space to now you've got to take a 40 million dollar cap hit for a player that's not even going to be on your freaking roster. This is the worst scenario that you could have possibly the worst angle you could have taken. Now what's what's the upside? There is an upside. You're going to get draft compensation. 
what's that draft compensation going to be? Glad you asked. Because, you know, Michael Lombardi was talking leverage. And he, the last episode of his podcast, The GM Shuffle, he talked about how Mark Murphy kind of screwed the pooch and hurt their leverage. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And and he even went as far as saying, like, I got Murphy, could you could you not just keep your mouth shut? I'm going to play a little clip here for you. I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to now. I think it's important just to hear what he said earlier because he's changed his tune now, and he feels like Green Bay has more leverage. But I do want to play this because it just kind of takes you into the mind, guys. You, first of all, I don't want you to listen to this without understanding who it is. This is Michael Lombardi, who has spent his entire life around the game of professional football. He studied under Bill Walsh. He studied studied under Al Davis. He studied under uh, Bill Belichick, on and on and on. Okay? So here is what he said last week, and then I want to kind of button up the fact that he said he feels like Green Bay has leverage now, but I'm just going to kind of hit on this real quick. Let's play it. We are getting closer. I want to say this. There's probably going to be language. So if you've got kids in the room, uh, you want to mute it, turn the volume down, throw an earbud in, whatever. Uh, definitely want to give you a warning. I believe he may let a couple swear words go here, so just be prepared for that. But here we go. To a decision with Rodgers finally committing to the New York Jets, or could he throw us another curveball because you never know what to expect with that guy? You know, I, I kind of get the sense that, you know, as I always said two weeks ago, we think he's playing. I think this is a lot about recruiting, a lot about – the contract. Mm-hmm. We saw Mark Murphy's commentary about he wants to make it happen, which I feel bad yeah. for Gutekus, the, 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 the GM up there, because he's kind of like he took away any leverage that he would have. I mean, one of the things that you want to do in a trade is say, hey, look, 
you know, we'll just make him play for us or he'll retire and give us back. You know, you have to have some strength in a negotiation. And Murph just could give a shit. He just uh, we, we, we're, we're moving on. Like, OK, Murph, thank you. You know, we, we all know the world revolves around you up there. So, uh, you know, it makes it harder on him to do it. But I, I, I mean, would you be shy? I mean, I just wanted to play that because that, that's exactly how I, I see that now looking back. I mean, and, and there's a, even a clip we could play on the Pat McAfee show. We're not going to go through all that. Um, but he's just like, I mean, that's basically what he said. If we get what we want, Aaron won't play for us. And it's like, you just told the other team that you don't want him to play for you. The real leverage in this whole situation, if you were going to play it to a T, is real simple. We're prepared to allow Aaron Rodgers to play for us. Okay? We, we'll, we'll welcome him back with open arms. If he wants to retire, that's cool too. We hold all the cards. That would have been the proper way of handling it, of playing it, in my opinion. So Murphy screwed the pooch there. Now, is it is it like catastrophical? Absolutely not. And that's why today I wish I had the clip here, and I don't. I don't want to play it off my phone because the sound quality would be horrible. But um, Michael Lombardi on the GM Shuffle today kind of talked about that as well, talked about leverage. He believes Murphy hurt leverage last week, as, you know, in this pod I just played for you. But he also believes now Green Bay has more leverage than the Jets, okay? I know that sounds kind of contradictory. Let me explain. Murphy screwed up and should have kept his mouth shut if the plan is to trade him, okay? Period. Check that off the list. But still, even with that happening, he believes Green Bay has more leverage than the Jets. Green Bay's prepared to, you know, just let him retire. Like, hey, okay, yeah, you can you can be the backup or you can retire. He thinks that that's an option. Okay, so if that's the case and he retires, you free up the 15 milli, right? Okay, you're you're in a better situation. You don't get any draft compensation, but you're in a better situation, right? So if he wants to play, all right, what are you going to trade us? So he kind of leans towards that's it. Now, Ross Tucker said yeah, Aaron Rodgers does have uh, leverage. Let me play this for you since we got it pulled up. Let me do this. Yeah. I didn't plan on any of that, but we're going to do it. They're right here side by side. This is what Ross Tucker said about the situation. Get rid of Goff's contract, which, by the way, has turned out differently. I also hear everybody saying Rodgers gave the Packers so much leverage now. Oh, the, the Packers have so much leverage now. Really? Well, that's a very easy thing to fix. All Aaron Rodgers has to do is show up for day one of the Packers offseason program. I don't think he would do this, but why does he want the Jets to have to give up more for him other than maybe his ego? And number two, he's clearly not happy with the Packers front office. So if you're Aaron Rodgers, you show up for the first day of the offseason workout program. You go into the squat rack, you put 500 on, on 500 pounds on, wait till you see how fast you get traded. Wait till you see how fast the Packers make that deal. Because the last thing they want to do is have the risk or the liability of having to pay you $60 million fully guaranteed because you're hurt to not play. So Rodgers can make it real awkward, real uncomfortable, and can change the Packers have all the leverage real fast if he wants to. Guys, that's called a hold-in is what that is. Like the new tactic since the, since the CBA where, you know, you've got hold-out clauses now, like where a player is not allowed to hold out, but they can hold in. 
which is so silly because they still accomplish the same thing. Meaning, I'll come to camp, I'll come, in, but I'm not going to participate in practice. Now, if if the team wanted to pull the trigger, they could probably uh, file a, a grievance and say it's conduct detrimental to the team, and then it would go through this long process. The point is, neither the Packers or Aaron Rodgers want to do that, right? And Ross Tucker's bringing a player's perspective going, hey, look, he does have leverage. But you can tell in the McAfee interview, Aaron doesn't want it to come to that. He wants to play football for the New York Jets. You you didn't want me here. I'm going to go there and play. And it's totally cool. It's part of the business. But stop pretending like I'm the one holding the deal up because I'm not. Come out in public and say, yeah, we can't reach an agreement with the Jets. I don't understand why that's a big deal. Yeah, we 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 want proper compensation for Aaron Rodgers. They're getting one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the game, a four-time MVP, Super Bowl-winning uh, quarterback. And the only reason he had a bad year last year was because he was banged up and our roster was a little weak. I mean, he had a broken thumb. You're going to get the MVP caliber Aaron Rodgers. That's how I would be approaching this. So, yeah, you're going to give me what we want, plain and simple. And it's just – the point I'm making is I feel like they really screwed the pooch here from an organizational standpoint. And, uh, you know, I've been fielding comments from people, uh, not necessarily about compensation, but just their thoughts on stuff. And we'll kind of hit on that in a minute. But I just wanted to play that because just kind of give you guys an idea. Of, when you talk compensation, what is the proper compensation? Right? Like, and, you know, I had asked Ryan in a chat, and a couple of other people, and we were, you know, what what do you think proper compensation is, right? And and you know, actually, I've already closed it out. I was gonna, I think Ryan might have said a two is what he was thinking. Um, you know, when you talk about it from that standpoint, let's go back to Tom Silverstein, okay? In that same podcast, uh, Cassidy Hill, make sure I got that name right. Cassidy Hill wrapped the pod up by saying, "What you got?" You guys, what's your estimate, your guesstimate on what the compensation will be? Tom Silverstein said, if I remember correctly, he said a second this year and a conditional third next year. Now, why why do I point that? First of all, Ryan, I I did not give him any knowledge of that to the best of my memory. I don't think I mentioned that in the chat at all, right? But maybe I did. Anyway, he said a two sounds about right. Now, Tom Silverstein, who – in my opinion, is probably the mouthpiece for Brian Gutekunst, uh, bridging that gap to Bob McGinn. He's the one who wanted to get that information out so they could begin shopping Aaron, right? Um, that's what he said. So why would he say that? It almost feels as if to me like it's the Packers are trying to soften the blow for, look, I know you guys think we're going to get multiple first-round picks, but probably just going to be a second-round pick. That's what it feels like. And to me, that's – that's the thing, too. If you go back to the San Francisco offer and there was multiple first round picks that San Francisco was offering Green Bay for Aaron Rodgers. And like Aaron said, he he screwed it all up by winning MVP. Right now, the Packers don't want to get rid of him. Like you, you should have traded him then if this was the end plan. Right. I don't. That's what I'm saying. Like, it doesn't matter what angle you look at this from. The front office screwed this up. You could have got a haul for picks two years ago. I was under the impression they wanted him to play as long as he wanted to and retire as a Packer, right? You guys heard me this year. I thought he would come back this year and they would sign Jordan Love to an extension and then bridge the gap next year. And they could let Aaron know this year, hey, this will have to be the last year because we're going to move forward with Love. Or, you know, 
we don't think Love's the guy. Not that they would tell Aaron this, but in their mind, okay, Love isn't the guy. Let's get one more year out of Aaron. We let Love walk in free agency, and now we start forward with, hey, guys, you let the fans know Aaron's walking away, whether you trade him or he retires or whatever. We're going to have to build from the ground up here and get us a quarterback. Jordan wasn't the guy, right? Um, it's just a number of different ways you could have went about it, and this this way just doesn't make sense to me. The one thing that does make sense, though, is it's pretty clear they think Jordan Love is the guy, and that's exciting, and we need to get behind him and rally behind him. So, again, the whole purpose of this pod was this is the last time that we're going to talk about this. The next time we talk about it will be compensation. Here's what the Packers got for Aaron Rodgers, and we're moving forward with this new roster, right? And we're going to kind of do that right now. But first of all, it is worth mentioning that the uh, the odds, the early odds for NFC North division title, division champs are in from Vegas, okay? You guys know – I like to put a little action on the game. Um, it's something that I, I do, and I say if you're gambling, gamble extremely responsible. I am very, very conservative in my approach. You guys know about my middle-late turnover differential formula I use, and it's very, very successful. I think this year – I think we finished the year this year at 81% success rate on live bets based off of those, which is really, really cool. Um, but with that being said, it was somewhere – it might have been 80%. It seems like 81 was the number. I know last year I think it was 83 or 84% success rate. So I'm very conservative in how I gamble. So I like to I like to look at these numbers because, guys, I've watched this. These numbers aren't just firing from the hip, okay? So anyone who sees these numbers, if they think this is BS, oh, they're just trying to get us riled up, that's not how Vegas operates, right? The money coming in and, and them trying to steer – uh, steer money in the direction of a certain team to balance it out to a 50-50 ratio to where they can maximize their profit. That's the overall goal. These numbers are pretty pretty, uh, pretty stout when it comes to accuracy. But what I tweeted out was, life comes at you fast. How you feeling, Packer fans? Question mark. What is your prediction on where Green Bay finishes in the uh, NFC North? <clears throat> so Vegas has the Detroit Lions as the favorites to win the NFC North, plus 145. They have the Minnesota Vikings second plus 280. They have the Chicago Bears third plus 300. The Green Bay Packers are predicted to finish dead last. And if you wanted to take that bet, it's plus 410 for the Green Bay Packers to win the division. The pod's still on. I'm just a little bit silent right now. Like, whoo, life does come at you fast, right? And here's the thing that bothers me the most is there are people that are commenting on that tweet that last year it came out of their mouth that if Jordan Love was the quarterback, he would give the Packers a better chance to win than Aaron Rodgers. And now all of a sudden the Packers are pro projected by Vegas to finish dead last in the division, not not just by like, oh, it's neck and neck, it's, it's a plus 10 more than Chicago. Guys, plus 110 more than the Chicago Bears to finish in dead last. I thought Aaron Rodgers was the problem last year, right? And, you know, I didn't think that. I'm just saying, like, for those of you who said that, come on, please. That, let's be realistic about this. Now, it's going to take, take a, a little bit of time for Jordan Love to have success. We cannot expect, do not put unrealistic expectations on Jordan Love this year. If he comes out – and they win six games, to me, that's kind of the – if they can win six games this year with Jordan Love at the helm, you know what? Let's build off that. That's exactly what Aaron did, and Aaron went on to be one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game, right? So maybe that's a good little 
starting point. And if you want to say five games or four games, awesome. If he comes out and he wins eight games, we got us the real deal. If they win 10 games, look out. We're stepping into another great quarterback. If they win 12 or 13 games with Jordan Love, then we're on cloud nine. But please don't come out and put unrealistic expectations on Jordan Love. Because last year was freaking embarrassing. The fact that those comments rain in, the tweets are still sitting out there, that this was Aaron Rodgers' fault and he never takes blame and, and Jordan Love can do everything that Aaron's done. Me and Dusty Evely kind of talked about that live on the pod the other day, and he was, to the best of my knowledge, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but it seemed like we were on the same page with that, like, come on. Now, he's ready to move forward with Jordan Love, but his his opinion was still of that of the angle of, come on, man, yeah, Aaron did not play horrible last year. Like, there was – Receivers falling down and, and you know, uh, running the wrong routes, running the same routes, literally within three yards of each other. You had Hall of Famer Kurt Warner breaking down the film going, hey, this is bad, guys. This is really bad. I don't think this is going to get better. And and people debating with a Hall of Fame quarterback going, yeah, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Aaron Rodgers is just not throwing to the open guy. Like, guys, please, come on. Um. I, we, we've got to set Jordan Love up for success. That's that's what I'm looking at. And, and I'm going to tell you right now, the receiver room right now, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Samori Torre, uh, Jeff Cotton, and I, I, I don't mean any disrespect, but I can't remember the other person. Like, we've got we've got to bolster this. And, and keep in mind, this line too, this roster, these rosters are not complete by no stretch of the imagination. But here's the problem. Now the move is we're going to trade Aaron Rodgers. And there are some people that believe that the cap hit can be minimized, right? There are others that are saying absolutely not. There's no way the optional aspect of Aaron Rodgers' contract can be adjusted. It's going to be a $40 million cap hit. Let's let's plan on the worst and hope for the best. Let's say it is a $40 million cap hit. If it's a $40 million cap hit because they decided to completely screw this up and botch it to the point where now we're going to absorb a $40 million cap hit because of the trade and you're only going to get a second-round pick in return, that means we've got somewhere around $8 million to spend, to the best of my knowledge. So free agency is pretty much over if that's the case. Let's hope they pull a rabbit out of the hat somehow and some kind of cap relief is provided because I've heard Michael Lombardi say it. I've heard – at one point I heard Andrew Brent uh, kind of allude to the fact that you know they could eat some of the eat some of the cap and it put them in a little bit better situation. Then he turned around and said, "No, you absolutely can't get out of the forty million. So it's like nobody is saying a definitive answer on what they predict how this is going to unfold. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's you're talking about some people are looking at this and going, "This is absolutely ridiculous to think that the Packers are going to finish worse than the Bears." But if you've only got $8 million to spend because you completely screwed this Aaron Rodgers thing up to the point where you're going to have a $40 million cap hit, like what, where where's the talent coming from? I just told you the receiving room. Guys, with Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb last year on the roster, they still led the league in drops. They were, they were the second and third highest graded, according to PFF, wide receivers on the roster last year. Romeo Dobbs, I think he's got a chance to be a great player in time. His PFF grade was 64, and we've seen him drop passes in huge games. And this isn't a this isn't designed to try to bash Romeo Dobbs. He was a rookie. What do you expect? And that's the other angle people are taking is, well, wait, did we see? Let's wait and see our draft class first. Hold up. So 
now you're saying we're not going to finish last because we're going to have a great draft class and they're going to contribute year one? Like, when did we start expecting rookies to come out and carry a team, carry a wide receiver group or a tight end group? That's the big knock on people. You know, when I say, why don't we address tight end in the first round if it's the best available on the board or you have to use a second or a third, what's the number one argument that I get, the pushback I get? The pushback I get from fans or, you know, fellow fans is, well, t- you know, young tight ends don't contribute till like year two or three. You know, I think I think even Dusty said it the other night that it's usually year three when a tight end breaks out. And we wanted to, we kind of expected that with Josiah Aguar, but he also had the injury the year before, so that kind of sets him back a year. Now all of a sudden the rookie class is what's going to propel us toward the top to compete for the NFC North? Like how – I mean – they may win the North, the Packers. It's not going to come from big free agency spending unless something miraculous happens with this botched Aaron Rodgers situation. Like $8 million is not a lot of money. $10 million, call it $12 million. $12 million isn't a lot of money. And you, and you look at the roster and you see Darnell Savage, at $8 million cap hit, and it's like, what in the world have we done to this roster? Now we lost wide receiver number two and number three. You lost your two tight ends as of right now, although they did sign Tyler Davis. So Tyler Davis is back. Now your top two tight ends. And the reason I mentioned two tight ends, because we do play a lot of 12 personnel. It's either 11 or 12 personnel. Is Josiah DeGuara, who is uh, primarily an H-back, right? Detached, pre-snap motion, mostly in the backfield top tight end. And now Tyler Davis is your your number one attached tight end unless they expand DeGuara's role now that Mercedes Lewis is gone and Robert Tunyon's gone. Now, they could still sign those two guys back, and I'm not suggesting that that, that uh, Robert Tunyon had a great year last year. I did point out that Mercedes Lewis was the number one the top-graded tight end on the Packers roster last year. But the receiving core, I just listed it off for you. The tight ends, I just listed it off for you. Like, this doesn't feel like we're setting Jordan Love up to succeed. So, man, it's a uh, – I don't want to be doom and gloom. You guys know I try to bring a very, very positive approach, but we've also got to report on the facts, and that's what Vegas is saying. The Packers are plus 410 uh, to win the NFC North, and that puts them in last place and 110 points behind the Chicago Bears. So. Whew. I'm glad we got that over with <laughs> because I was really not looking forward to hitting on that part of the pod. But we're about to turn the page to a new era of Packer football. And we got to set the proper expectations. And I would much rather underpromise and overdeliver, right? That's the goal here. But let's get behind Jordan Love and make sure we all understand. Like, look, this it's going to take a season or two to get the ship righted. Okay. In my opinion, it would have took less time if Aaron Rodgers had retired and you get that 15 million back or Aaron Rodgers returns at $32 million cap hit, you understand that he's going to cost us eight more, eight million more against the cap. If he's traded and he's not even going to be on the freaking roster. And, and imagine he goes to the jets and lights it up and makes them a, a uh, even more of a contender than they already are. Right. And we got a second round pick back for him 
And oh, by the way, $40 million of dead cap. It's wild. Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely wild. We, You couldn't have handled that situation any worse. That's pretty much the gist. That's my opinion. It doesn't mean I'm right. Some of you are hearing this and going, I completely disagree. Hey, man, I com- I respect your opinion. And who am I to say I'm right and anyone else is wrong? That's just kind of my perspective on how I see the situation. It doesn't mean it's the end of the Packers. It does mean we've got an uphill battle for the next one to two years. Um, I, I did not foresee Aaron Rodgers getting traded based off of the deal they gave him. Yet here it is. Um, because it just it was like that that makes the least amount of sense for the organization. But for whatever reason they pulled the trigger. Now again, they may have done it for a reason. And we may look up when the deal comes through and they get two first round picks and somehow or another we get cap relief too. That would be absolutely awesome. What I'm hearing right now, and mainly because of Tom Silverstein's guesstimate of a second round pick, tells me that's probably more in the ballpark. Ryan kind of hit the nail on the head. So it's wild. Um, so anyway, also they signed a long snapper, Matt, uh, I guess how you say his name, Orzik is how you pronounce it, a three-year contract. And this really struck me as odd because I thought Jack Coco did good last year, and Jack Coco is still under under contract through 2024. So you could say, oh, it doesn't hurt to have competition. I completely agree. But you you still had him on a minimum contract through 2024. Now you bring in another guy. Now I guess the upside is – you will get him on a three-year deal, meaning you know he's going to be good through what twenty-six. If I'm yeah, so so he'll be under contract through at least twenty-five, but possibly twenty-six. I haven't seen the number yet. The last time I checked, the number wasn't up on Spotrack yet as far as cap hit. So I don't know how much they they're paying him. But you do have an extra long snapper. Any anywhere you can upgrade the roster, I'm all for. Right. Another thing that's that's great in my opinion is the fact that we got Keyshawn Nixon back. One thing that can help Jordan Love immensely and that Aaron Rodgers didn't have last year for most of the season or at least halfway through the season was we were losing possessions off of botched punts, right, muff punts and bad kickoff returns. And then Keyshawn Nixon takes over and he leads the league in kickoff returns, right? The 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 thought of us starting at the 40 and beyond for Jordan Love, guys, that's a freaking game changer right there. So you may see this facelift now, this shifting of we're going to become a team that's special teams as one of the strong points, and we're going to have to lean on that field position, that quote-unquote invisible yardage. That can be huge. I watched Belichick use that to his advantage for so long in studying him, reading books on how they build rosters in New England, things like that. So, um, again, the one thing I want to say, we're the underdogs now, guys. Embrace it. It is what it is. Whether, whether we prove to be the underdogs or not, um, we are the underdogs now. We may get to week four or five and, and be puffing out our chest and go, I thought we were the underdogs. Put that chip on every player in that locker room's shoulder. And all these young players that absolutely love Jordan Love and you hear them raving over him, he's got, he's got a personal handshake with every single person on the roster, they said. And it sounds so silly. And if Aaron Rodgers had done that, people would be bashing, well, I don't care about that. Just get your butt to camp. Like, it sounds like Jordan Love has a lot of great leadership skills. We've seen enough. I feel like I've seen enough to go. He can pretty much make every throw on the field. Now the question is, will he uh, make it consistently and perform at a high level? Um, I'm I'm choosing to believe he will, and we've got our quarterback of the future. Um, 
but we just need to embrace that underdog role as fans and go, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we're supposed to finish fourth in, in the north, so who cares, right? You got some people that are saying, that's BS, we're going to finish first. I'm like, I don't know if I see that. And then, you know, some are saying second and third. That's way more realistic. Third feels right. Um, but, you know, you got to kind of you got to kind of leave a, a spot there of flexibility because that's Vegas's whole idea. They want the numbers to come in so an even amount of action goes in on each team, right? That's kind of their goal overall. So, with that being said, we're gonna we're gonna get out of here. But as we do, um, I wanted to read a couple of things. Let me do this. Let me read a tweet here. Uh, it actually was a message from a a, a listener, Mike Bubeck. Um, we actually connected on Twitter. And um, this is what he asked me this morning. He said, how bad did Green Bay handle this situation? Um, I said, Mike, I think they handled it really bad, but I seem to be in the minority with that opinion. What do you think? And I do. I, you, you guys know my stance on it. There seems to be more people that believe they've got all the leverage and they're going to come out really, really nice with this trade. I hope that's the case. I hope I'm wrong. It's kind of not how I see it right now. But um, he said, I get it's a business, but this is terrible. 18 years and they can't look him in the eyes and say, thank you for everything, Aaron, whatever, wherever you want to go, we will take care of you, but we're moving on. It's a shame. Rodgers gave so much of this organization and Green Bay in general. And I said, very well said, man. He said, appreciate what you do for the fans, um, and I need to respond to that. I apologize, man. I hadn't had a chance to respond yet. But, um, yeah, he said, I appreciate what you do for the fans, and we appreciate you listening, uh, Mike, for sure. There was a couple other messages here real quick. I just want to read them. won't take a second. Jack, who's a listener, um, he said, honestly, at this point, let's just let Goot cook, uh, see how much he can get from the Jets and come out swinging with love next year. Pod's going great, by the way. Love the Dusty interview. I said, completely agree, man. Uh, let's see what love can do and, and rally behind him 100%. And uh, I, I, when I say completely agree, I agree with Dusty. Dusty is phenomenal. I can't wait to have him back on the show. And I said, thank you for the kind words about the pod. Uh, you know, who am I chatting with? He said, this is Jack. So awesome. And then uh, Jimmy came in and said, uh, <laughs> he checked on me today at 3.53 p.m. Jimmy says, well, how are you feeling? <laughs> and I said, definitely disappointed. I don't think it could have been handled uh, much worse than it, uh, than how it was at the end. Essentially, we bought high and we're most likely selling low. I'm definitely excited and hopeful that Jordan Love succeeds. He just doesn't have many pieces around him, which means uh, – who could catch a, a ton of he could catch a, a ton of scrutiny this year that really isn't fair. How you feeling, man? He said, I think we played the hand we were dealt. Just like with Favre, Rodgers is still capable of great play, but not for the Packers. Uh, he needs the chip on his shoulder, and he's definitely got one now. Um, like he said, he was 90% retired. His commit his commitment last year showed that. I think we will be great, maybe not immediately, but I'm two to three years – in two to three years, I think we will see the wisdom of all this. I also think the timing on when this trade gets done matters. If it's happening before the draft, it will have to include the 13th pick. Otherwise, we will wait till June 1 and save the cap money. So there you go. There's a lot of different angles it could take. Again, it may happen any day now. It may be June 1, June 2nd. Um, or it might be September. I'm hearing those things across the board. So appreciate Jimmy. Appreciate Jack. You guys are awesome, Jimmy and Jack. That's a pretty cool little combo there. <laughs> thank you all for taking time to message. Mike on Twitter, thank you for reaching out, buddy. Had some great conversations, most of which I disagree with people's opinion. But, man, it's so cool bouncing ideas 
off of other Packer fans. Um, really, really cool with that. So let's end it with this. I just want to play this last clip here, and we're going to get out of here. This is Aaron Rodgers um, kind of talking about the Packer fans, and I apologize if there's language here. Um, again, if there's kids in the room, don't know all the language here, but this is kind of his parting words to the city of Green Bay and the fans, which I think it's pretty cool that he took time to thank everybody and talk about how much Green Bay meant to him, although there are a lot of people out there that were just the second that things went downhill, they were ready to throw him under the bus and saying it's his fault. But uh, here's what Aaron says to us, the fans. That's, you know, that's why it's been so bittersweet is because um, I love that town so much and I have so much love for so many people I've met over the years associated with that. Uh, the game has given me a ton. I've tried to return that as much as I can, but that town, that region, that state has given me so much love and support from the day I was drafted, which was obviously controversial, to when I took over in 2008 and went in the Super Bowl, uh, all the incredible memories over the years and the fun interactions with fans, you know, at events or just at the store or at a Bucks game or on a golf course or whatever it might be like, you know, and you see them all over the place. I ran into Packer fans in Rome walking through the, you know, the ruins, you know, they're just everywhere. And there's just such great people. I, I just have so much love for them. That's why this has been really, really hard. It's been hard to get to this uh, point. And there's a lot of sadness for sure. There was definitely, you know, a, a day of mourning, I think of just all that time, those memories, the love I have for that place. And, um, but that place is always going to be really, really special to me, as are those fans and the memories. They can't take them away. And, and look, this is there's a lot of emotion there, so I don't fault anybody for voicing that emotion, for sharing those things. Um, some people might regret some of them later, but... Um, Probably after listening today. Because there's Packers fans that are pissed off that you were taking forever to make the decision, too, because there was so much money being held hostage, and there was... T- uh, uh, tampering allowed to happen during a free agency, so you're holding them hostage as well. This is all things that were actually being said. I just, I have to, tell, I have to relay the message. I have to relay the message. And I, yeah, I'm sensitive to all that. I really am. I'm sensitive to all that. Um, and again, like, I don't, uh, I don't have any malice towards any of those people. Um, uh, our fans are so passionate in Green Bay. I mean, yeah. And they show up and there's a 50-year waiting list for tickets and uh, they pack that place every single year and they live and die with the Packers and it's just, there's nothing like it across the league and and I'm just really, really thankful. I got to be the starting quarterback of the Packers for 15 years. I got to be an organization for 18 years. Like, 18 years, that's a that's a teenager. You know, that's, that's becoming an adult. And that's what I did there. And that's what I did there. And it was because of the people I met there and the places I went and and the times that I had. So, man, I love you, Green Bay. Thank you. And uh, I'm as sad as as, uh, some of you are. But, uh, you know, we'll meet again. Yeah, hell yeah. All right, that's it. We're going to get out of here. And for one last time, we'll play this intro. We're going to shift over. I'm not going to be playing Aaron Rodgers' intro anymore because – He's not going to be a Green Bay Packer, it sounds like. Let's just get to September and somehow, somehow he's starting quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. Oh, my God. I wouldn't I wouldn't rule anything out at this point. But, uh, again, though, man, I thought that was cool. It was heartfelt. Just uh, And I love the fact that he said, you know, some of those fans might regret their comments, but I respect their opinion, and I don't hold any malice towards them and uh, appreciate everything that 
that Green Bay has done for him. Pretty cool, man. So, uh, hey, all good things have to come to an end, right? That's the way it works. Uh, it's a business, and we're going to move forward with the Jordan Love era, and I'm excited to see how that goes. But one last time here, we'll hit the uh, the intro slash outro of Aaron Rodgers and what really uh, the play that that catapulted, uh, you know, Christian Watson to uh, the great end of the season that he had. And, uh, yeah, so – we're going to get out of here. Appreciate everybody taking the time to listen. Sorry we went a little long, but, again, I wanted to do an episode where it's all right. This is the last time we're talking to Aaron Rodgers. We're sending him off. We'll talk compensation uh, later at a later date. That should be a quick little segment, and we're going to move forward with how the Green Bay Packers are going to are going to now be the underdogs, and we're going to fight and claw from the bottom of the north. I, I almost giggle because it's like you never know what will happen, right? They may come out and shock the world. But uh, let's embrace it. Let's embrace the underdog rope. Um, but appreciate everybody. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. Go, Pat, go. On the fake, Rodgers lets it fly. Has Watson. He's got it on his feet, and he's in for the touchdown. That might be the biggest catch of this young receiver's career. Christian Watson, you can see him. It's just press, man. They talk about his speed, his ability to get behind the defense. It's just a matter of can he catch it. That's a great job tracking the ball. He just took a big sigh of relief. Look at his buddies greeting him on the sideline, man. That's got to feel good.